Live on AM830 KLAA tonight, Bruce Cook wraps up the week with talk that's worth tuning into. Sports, people, politics, life, authentic, real and happening now. Here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by New Directions for Women. We know recovery. Good day, Angels fans, Angels listeners all over Southern California. I'm Bruce Cook, and it's Sunday Night Live here on radio. And it is my honor, as it is every Sunday night, to join you for an hour of broadcasting and bring you information that hopefully is useful. And if I'm really lucky and really successful, then it's more than useful. Perhaps it is sometimes even inspirational, even better than that, sometimes life-changing. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to start with something that's on the minds of probably every listener on the radio tonight, whether you're in your car, at home, wherever you are in Southern California listening to AMA 30. And that is the big question of where are we going with the potential lockdown or shutdown that's being talked about, rumored about, all over the news, all over the media the past week. For those of you that stay tuned to all of this and you listen to the national outlets, whatever your choice may be, broadcasters are touting that there are some 150 so-called science minds, doctors, and experts signing some sort of a petition that has never been explained to me, urging the government, both federal and state, I assume, to shut the country down again and get this thing over with and done with because otherwise it will not happen. Obviously, that kind of dramatic action is going to have an equally dramatic effect. So I've asked a woman who is is a friend, an acquaintance actually, but I consider her a friend. She is our assemblywoman, from the district in Laguna Beach, California, here in Southern California. She's a Democrat in the California Assembly. Her name is Assemblywoman Cotty Petrie-Norris. She actually came on Angels Radio prior to her election over a year ago. And I'm proud to ask her to come back tonight to talk about this issue and others. And I did so because I saw in a press release last week a statement by Assemblywoman Petrie-Norris that basically stated that we can simultaneously flatten the curve of COVID-19 and still keep small business open and alive, ostensibly in Orange County, where she represents, but also in California and hopefully the nation. So on that, let's say hello to Assemblywoman. Are you there? Bruce, hi. It's Cotty. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Cotty, welcome to the radio tonight. Thank you for taking the time. You heard the introduction. You heard your statement quoted about simultaneously flattening the curve and keeping business open. In the last, well, I don't know, what's it been, a couple of weeks, uh, barbershops, hair salons, uh, various forms of, of other personal services, including dining, have been able to go outside. Talk to me about that. Is it working in your view as an assemblywoman, as a citizen? What are you seeing? Well, Bruce, as as you and all of our listeners know, COVID-19 really is an unprecedented crisis. And California has taken extraordinary steps 
extraordinary sets to combat this pandemic. The picture right now is is grim. Cases and deaths are increasing, hospitalizations are climbing, more tests more tests are coming back positive. And so as a result of those indicators, both here and statewide, we have over the last couple of weeks had to roll back some of our state's reopening. We've returned to a stricter lockdown and masking requirements across the state. Um, but despite that, I do believe that we can simultaneously flatten the curve of this disease and keep our small businesses alive as we navigate this crisis. And um, I think being able to do that successfully means that we need to approach this you know, not with a sledgehammer, but with a scalpel. And as we learn more and more about this disease, and gosh, we're learning every single day more about this disease. Where are the risks? Where are there not risks? You know, what, what works to protect the community? What doesn't? As we learn more, we can roll those learnings into safe reopening practices. And I think the, the example that you gave is a perfect one. So um, the, the governor's order said that businesses were able to operate outside. And that's because we've learned that the spread of this disease outside is incredibly rare. Uh, so we need to, right now, here in Orange County and across the state of California, we do need to get this virus under control. We need to flatten the curve. And then we need to begin to reopen more sectors in a safe and responsible way. Well, it sounds promising. And we need we need promising sound bites, Cotty. We really do. But I have to, I have to be a bit of a uh, curmudgeon on this. Because I, I worry, frankly, and maybe a lot of listeners who are uh, with us tonight might be thinking the same thing, so I want your opinion on it. The unrest in society continues to grow more challenging, more difficult, in some cases more desperate and more violent. And we see pictures on the news, or perhaps we're involved in it in our community. Perhaps we're participating in it. Perhaps there are listeners that are participating in the protests where we see hundreds, if not thousands, of people outside, admittedly, but neck and neck. I can't help but think that that is hurting the flattening of the curve. Yes or no? I think what we've seen, and, and I've asked, this, I and others have asked the same question of our Orange County health officer, and uh, what they have said is that based on their contact tracing, that it's not outdoor activities, it's not outdoor gatherings, it's not outdoor protests that have uh, resulted in the recent spike. It has been driven by a couple things. So number one, we, we knew that some of the increase was to be expected as we reopened the economy. Number two, we've seen some of this recent spike driven by an increase in infection in the age group of 25 to 34 year olds, these kind of young and invincibles. And the contact tracing has revealed that there's been a lot of infections in indoor establishments like restaurants and, and indoor bars. And uh, the the evidence that we've seen, the evidence that has been shared with us, the, the data has uh, has not supported that, that the infection is spreading um, outside or that that's not a, a, a critical source of the spread. Okay, so all of these people together in protest perhaps are not the cause. Is that why beaches are allowed to be open, but people on the beach are still being 
cautioned and urged to stay six feet or more apart. Yes. Yeah. Why? Yeah. If that's outside, why does it matter? If you can be well, two inches apart from way, a protester, why do you have to be six feet apart from a beach person? Well, the way that um, an epidemiologist explained this to me really early on was that all of the precautions that we have, all of the you know the, the few tools that we do have in our arsenal to fight this disease, it's a little bit like Swiss cheese. So none of it is you know 100% effective. But if you layer enough pieces of Swiss cheese on top of each other, you're going to create a pretty good barrier. So similarly, uh, you know, it's six feet of distancing, not 100% effective, but it's, it's, it gets you a long way there. Wearing a mask, not 100% effective, but it gets you a long way there. Being outside, not 100% effective, but it gets you a long way there. So the more of these precautions that we can take simultaneously the more that we can protect ourselves, the more that we can protect our neighbors, the more that we can protect our community. And as I said, just get the spread under control. Last evening, I went to a restaurant with my son and his girlfriend, uh, sat outside. Tables were far apart. I had not, except for one other time, basically dined out of my home. Mm -hmm. I've been very careful. And... I felt very safe and I felt careful and I was absolutely amazed by the effort being produced and handled by the staff. The wait staff were working like crazy. They had masks, face protectors, gloves. They made sure that everybody was staying safe and ad adhering to the all the principles. When somebody got up, uh, three people rushed over and sprayed the seats and wiped down the sides of the chairs. I was very impressed, and but I was thinking something else. Most of these, most of these uh, um, wait staff were Hispanic, and the numbers in Orange County, in particular, among the Hispanic population, are staggering. If I'm not incorrectly quoting. Some 40% of the COVID cases and a majority of the deaths are coming from working-class Hispanic neighborhoods. This is a real problem because these are essential workers. They have no choice but to earn a living, and they're doing it, and they're getting sick. How do we handle that? Bruce, I'm glad that you asked about that because uh, this disease has really revealed some of just the fundamental inequities that exist you know, in our state and in our county. And the, the fact that in some ways this is a tale of, of two states in terms of the have and have nots. And the reality is that the disparities are widening. And uh, the, the stats you mentioned in Orange County, it's the same thing that we are seeing all across the state. So after adjusting for, for population, Latinos are now three times more likely to contract the COVID-19 uh, virus than uh, Caucasians. And that's for, for the, the state as a whole. And then as you say, uh, in, in Orange County, we're seeing some 40% of uh, the infected population are, are, are Latino neighbors. And uh, I think that that has really highlighted for, for so many people this underlying inequity that we we know exists and we know is part of 
of our life and part of the reality of the world that we live in. And I think that it has certainly made, made me and many of my colleagues even more committed to addressing those fundamental issues as part of the work that we need to do to navigate this recovery, to emerge, and to start to rebuild the economy. We want to make sure that we are really and truly, really and truly rebuilding a California where the California dream can be a reality for, for everyone, regardless of the color of, the, of your skin, regardless of you know, your, your ethnic background. Well, again, very positive and encouraging remarks, uh, which we need. I'll say it again because we need it very badly. Um, I also think, Cotty, that there are a lot of folks, again, across the spectrum of color and ec- economic divide that are so weary and are so afraid because they they really don't know from day to day it's kind of what you started talking about in the first segment of our time together, that things keep changing and we have to stay with the change and we have to roll with it and evolve with it and apply the changes to try and make this work. But human beings, and especially us spoiled Californians of a certain age and generation and an opportunity level, are so not used to this kind of chaos. And uh, keeping it together has got to be a major challenge. What's happening in Sacramento? I hear there's there are problems in the state house that had to close. This has never happened before. As an assembly person up there, how are you dealing with all of it? Well, I first, you know, for me and for my uh, so many of my colleagues, our number one focus over the last few months has been COVID nineteen response and uh, you know, planning for economic recovery as well. And you're right that we did uh, we did delay session uh, by two weeks because a number of my colleagues were t- tested positive for COVID-19 as well as a number of staff members. Um, but uh, we are actually uh, beginning session again tomorrow. So when I get off the phone with you, I'm about to hop on a plane to Sacramento tonight. Um, and uh, we'll be returning to session tomorrow because the uh, legislative calendar is, is such that it you know, doesn't stop for for doesn't stop for anyone or, or any disease. It's we've got to have our legislative business uh, completed by August thirty first. Got it. Before we take a break, and then I and then I and, and I and several of my colleagues, um, you know, are are encouraging the governor to then call a special session focused on COVID nineteen recovery to ensure that we do not rush the important work of planning the the state's response and starting to lay the groundwork for setting California on a path for economic recovery. Uh, So we'll we'll see what happens on that front, but that's been something that uh, I have been urging. Okay, let me take take our first break, Cotty, but before we go, I wanna pose a question to you to think about when we come back. Obviously, a lot of discussion this week out of the federal government about the extension of unemployment benefits and the $600 additional benefit that is going to either go away or possibly be reduced in the coming weeks. When we come back, I want you to comment on that in terms of how it has assisted Californians. There's some pushback, as you well know, and as our listeners know, because there's a feeling among many that a lot of people taking advantage of that are actually making more money than they might have made if they went back to work. Is that true in your opinion? And if so, how do we deal with it? We're going to take a break. I'm with Cotty 
Petrie Norris, Assemblywoman from Laguna Beach, Democrat. Tonight, I'm Bruce Cook, live on Angels Radio, and we will be right back. Angels Radio. AMA 30. If the woman you love, your mother, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, let us help. New Directions for Women, a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility, has the answer. Since 1977, we have helped over 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sober, healthy living, restoring love, hope, and dignity to them and their families. Don't wait another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. These are unprecedented times which are causing a lot of stress and financial worry for millions of Americans. But here's some good news. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, Optima Tax Relief can reduce the stress in your life by helping you resolve your tax debt right from the safety of your own home. Make no mistake, you don't want to ignore the IRS right now. They can take your paycheck and everything you work so hard for. But with Optima on your side, you may qualify for help that saves you thousands. Their tax professionals specialize in the Fresh Start Initiative. One of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. Optima is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau and has resolved over $1 billion of tax debt for taxpayers across the nation. So now's the time for tax help you need, for tax help you trust. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-375-2922. 800-375-2922. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this very well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and their families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women has helped addicted women recover in a nationally recognized treatment facility in Costa Mesa. Their doors are wide open. It just takes the first step. Call New Directions for Women. The number is 888-786-0509. Again, 888-786-0509. You can also visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Bruce Cook wants to hear from you. Now back to your host, Bruce Cook. And I'm back. It's Bruce Cook, live Sunday night, Angels Radio. Joining my guest tonight, Assemblywoman Cotty Petrie-Norris. I posed her a question before the break about the unemployment insurance running out and what her opinion is on how it should be handled moving forward. Your answer. Well, the federal relief package has been an absolutely critical lifeline. It has kept countless Americans, millions of people, from falling off a cliff. Um, 
And I think it's absolutely imperative that uh, or that the feds pass a subsequent relief package, and I, I that includes a increased unemployment insurance payment. I don't know how they go back to their constituents or how they go back to their districts if they fail to do so. That being said, we can't have a policy, in my view, we can't have policies that disincentivize work. And so rather than a flat uh, $600 a week incremental payment, I would be more in favor of a sliding scale. So perhaps that, that 600 a week is the cap and there's like an 80% reimbursement or, you know, something, something that ensures people don't go off a cliff, but something that ensures that we are incentivizing work. We're incentivizing the things that we need to actually keep our economy going and actually set ourselves on a path to recovery. Republican Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin has voiced similar comments about that. My fear, uh, Cotty, though, is how does the government on such a massive scale of so many people in need figure out that sliding scale and determine who is it that deserves the full amount and who needs less because they don't need as much. I don't know how they do that. I, I well, it's all it's all information that we 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 know now. So when you're applying for unemployment insurance and you're submitting your unemployment insurance claim, you have to submit all that information about the the salary you had been earning, the work that you had been doing. So, for example, if I'm a if if I work forty hours a week, I'm the sole breadwinner for my family of four, then I'm in a really different situation than, you know, a, a high school student who is working at the you know, local surf shop. And then when they shut down, all of a sudden I'm getting paid a thousand dollars a week for doing nothing. Like, so we, we have to, in my view, use that information that we get to make better choices. Like there's a finite, we have finite resources for this or for anything. So we need to ensure that they're getting deployed in the most, uh, productive and, uh, you know, in a way that actually addresses the, the top priority. That, my friend, is the challenge and the duty of government. And I'd like to believe that they're going to be able to handle this. Uh, but I do have my fears and doubts. But I do agree with you. And I know that there are too many people on the verge of falling off that proverbial cliff. That's not so mm -hmm. proverbial. It's real. And yeah. I, I also yeah. think I also, pardon me, and I also think that it is contributing to the extreme unrest we're experiencing in relation to race relations because of the economic crisis. So you are so correct when you say they are certainly tied together. I'd like to switch gears. We only have a few minutes, about 10 minutes left before you got to leave and get on that plane. And I do want to switch into the racial tension and the unrest we're experiencing in California. There have been reports that there is great violence taking place in Long Beach, um, as well as in other parts of the state. We all have heard about what's going on in Portland and Albuquerque and Seattle and other parts of the country. Uh, and on this day, which is the beginning of a memorial series of six days in honor of the late Congressman John Lewis, civil rights icon, who dedicated his 78-year life in the pursuit of non-violent protest for change. Isn't it ironic that there is so much violence at this time when people are trying to do or expand or grow what this man stood for and started in 1965 in the civil rights time? 
and also with the voting rights. So now that I've pontificated, my question to you is, how do we separate that violence from the cause? Many, many listeners on this radio station and around California are very concerned about that fact and don't know what the answer is. Mm -hmm. Well, John Lewis is an American, an American hero. And he, as you said, he fought his entire life to get people the right to vote, to try to move this country towards the fullness and the realization of the promise of America. Um, and I know that when, when I heard that he had passed and then you read several articles about his life story, I just, I, my husband and I just sat there weeping because to lose someone who is such a good, such a good person, such a strong person and such a powerful person. Um, and you're right. We, we need to ensure that in his honor, as much as anything else, that we continue with that legacy of nonviolent protest in order to uh, actuate the change that we want to see. And I think the good news is for the vast majority of the folks who have come out in support of Black Lives Matter, who have come out to support a moment of reckoning for this country, they have done so. It has been peaceful protest. We have seen large millions and millions of Americans led by young, usually young people of color. They have built a multi-generational, a multi-ethnic, and a multi-racial coalition calling for change. And I think that, sadly, you know, sometimes what gets reported by the media tends to be, in my view, that the outliers, because that's that's certainly a better story. Um, but the you know, I get every night I check in on the wall of moms in Portland. Have you seen that? And yeah, that I have. is I have. that is incredible. That just gives me such a sense of of hope and such a sense of joy to see that wall of moms continue to show up and continue to show up in you know, absolute peaceful protest frankly, protecting the protesters from the violence that we're seeing from the, the federal government that has been brought in against the wishes of the Republicans and the Democrats locally elected, I would add. Um, so I think that we have seen isolated moments of violence as part of these protests. We've also seen the reality is that there are people who are troublemakers who have who will cause problems, whatever the issue is, and who have hijacked this movement in, in certain communities and in certain areas. But by and large, I think that what you are seeing is a peaceful groundswell across the country calling for real and systemic change that I think will, when we, when we emerge from this moment of reckoning, we will emerge stronger. And I think that the fact that they have built such a diverse and powerful and, as I said, multi-generational coalition it is putting real pressure on policymakers at the local, at the state, at the federal level. And we even saw it a couple of weeks ago when after years, after years of just looking the other way, the NFL, the NASCAR, they actually took action. And I think that that to me, that to me almost more than what we're seeing in a policy way, that to me signaled that this is a real moment of cultural change for, for this country. And I think a positive one. It is, but I have to ask you, do you think it's going to last? 
do I think that the, the, the will we'll be able to create real and lasting change? That's, as a that's correct. That? Is it going to be real and lasting change, or is this another 20-year blip on the radar, as we've seen over the last half century, where this kind of reckoning surfaces and then fades? Well, as Martin Luther King said, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it does bend towards justice. And uh, is this the last you know, moment of reckoning that this nation needs to have? Probably not, realistically. Do I believe that we are going to be able to effectuate real change as a result of this and positive change and positive progress? I do. I do. Is it going to be everything? I don't believe that it's going to be everything, but I do believe that we are going to be able to have real lasting change as a result of what, what's happening in our country today. Well, it remains to be seen. I have my fears that that there is too much demand and not enough of the John Lewis spirit of action. Nothing comes in this country, nothing comes anywhere in life, in humanity, from demanding change. Change comes through action. It comes through words. It comes through not talking, but doing. Protest is a beginning, in my view. It is not the end all. And I worry that that lasting change, if it doesn't come from grassroots change, where people in communities of color lift themselves up as well as the white community recognizing what failures and what disadvantages have existed and really doing something about it, then we're in for, you know, a lot more time in between the next movement. I hope I'm wrong. I encourage and, and applaud your optimism. Uh, and I hope that when you get back to Sacramento on tomorrow, that our California legislature will work toward keeping this state healthy and alive for all of its citizens. Cotty, thank you so much. Do you have a final word? I would just say that uh, we, we have a long road ahead in, this, in, in the fight against this pandemic, and uh, my office is here to help. So our phone number is 949-251-0074. We are here to help. And uh, we will get through this together. And as I said, I believe we will emerge stronger and more resilient. So give the number at home to be safe, be safe and stay strong. Our number again is 949-251-0074. Thank you a million for taking the time to be with us tonight. Your words of encouragement are, are well received. Safe travels to Sacramento. Keep that mask on. We all will do that. We will do our part. And uh, when we talk again, hopefully soon, it'll be a better day. Thank you, Connie. Yes, it will. All right. Thank, Thank you, you. Good to catch up. Yeah. Take care. Have a good evening. Bye. Time for a break, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bruce Cook, live tonight, Sunday on Angels Radio, AMA 30. I will be right back, and we're going to shift gears and welcome Linda Olson on the air. Wait till you meet her. Angels Radio. AM830. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this too well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and families in crisis. 
For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women have helped addicted women recover at our nationally recognized addiction treatment center in Costa Mesa. Our door is wide open. Take the first step. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. If the woman you love, your mom, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509 or visit them at www newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. To talk to Bruce Cook, pick up the phone and dial 714-2830-830. Ladies and gentlemen, Angels Radio fans, it's Bruce Cook and it's live Sunday night on AM830. And we are back. Assemblywoman Cody Petrie Norris has left us and we are shifting gears, but not really so much as you might think. We started our hour broadcast tonight together discussing about what all of us are feeling in terms of going through the chaos of our times, the confluence of the ravage of COVID-19, the protests and the rioting, the racial strife, the economic disaster that so many are facing, actually all of us at, at some level or another, given the shutdown that began back in the beginning of March and how it has evolved, what all this adds up to is tremendous stress, both mental stress, emotional stress, physical stress, and obviously health for so many people that are suffering. So 
I wanted to bring on a guest this afternoon or this evening, I should say, that might bring some relief of a spiritual, to, to use that word, kind. And our guest joining us from somewhere in the woods in Northern California on some kind of a retreat via phone tonight. Fortunately, we have her on the line. It was a little dicey trying to get through all those pine cones up there. But Linda Olson is going to join us in a second. She is a speaker, a best-selling author. She has been a participant in the TEDx, the very famous speaking series on vital issues. She is the founder of an organization called Wealth Through Stories, which we're going to learn about. And she has written a book. Uh, it's one of many, I, as I am told, although I have not uh, read many of her works. The book is called Transform Your Story, and the subtitle is Letting Go of the Past When It Won't Let Go of You. How many people can relate to that? I certainly can. Linda Olson, if you're there in the woods, please say hello. Hello. There you are. <laughs> are there any bears nearby? We haven't seen any yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to radio in Southern California, and... Tell me about Transform Your Story, Letting Go of the Past When It Won't Let Go of You. Well, like you mentioned, that is something I think all of us at one point or another experience. You know, we can have situations uh, within family, within community, with work situations that, um, that are often devastating situations. And we may do everything we can to avoid, run from, try and escape the ugly feelings and pain this brings up. I mean, we can move across the country thinking that, okay, now we're away from the situation. But it's amazing how quickly whatever pain we were trying to get away from surfaces and find out that we need someone who reminds us exactly of the person we were trying to get away from. And so um, it's, it's very important that we are in touch with our emotions, taking a look at ourselves, and recognizing what it is uh, we're, we're trying to escape and run from because we can leave physically but our emotions follow us wherever we are. I think it's pretty common knowledge, even though not many people can handle it or do anything about it, but it's pretty common knowledge that we human beings make the same mistakes over and over and over again until you're hitting yourself on the head saying, how do I stop this? You know, uh, therapists say this in relationships that we, you know, we divorce a person and marry the same person all over again or in dating relationships we keep making the same mistakes doing that in jobs in career goals we have a certain vision of what we want to do and who we want to be but maybe that vision is flawed by our own blindness and we can't get away from it so when you say you know how do we how do we let go of the past take it a step further linda Give me a specific example. Use yourself. I understand that this all comes from some real tragedy in your life that turned you around. Do you mind sharing that? 
Not at all. Absolutely it does. It goes very deep for me. And that was at 14 years of age through a tractor accident on the farm in Canada. Um, I was driving a tractor and my precious two-year-old brother was killed. In other words, you hit him. You hit him with the tractor? Yes. This is terrible. What happened? How did you recover from such a devastating thing that must have filled you with guilt and destroyed your family? Well, it it really And why was your two-year-old brother in the field next to the tractor? Well, interestingly enough, he actually wasn't. We were hauling potatoes from a distant garden and bringing them in a front-end loader uh, with the tractor instead of having to carry them by hand as we did the previous years. And my mother asked me to get on the tractor, and even though I was only 14, you know, on the farm, you just get to drive these. You learn early. You learn early. You learn early, absolutely. So she asked me to get on. She says, just drive right, right to the house, to the doorway of the house, and then we would unload the potatoes and take them to the basement to store for the winter. And so as I came up with the tractor, slowed it down, and slammed on the brakes, and the brakes never held. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was, it was truly, truly very devastating. So what happened? How did you deal with it? How did the family deal with it? How long did it take to recover? Did, it, did you recover? Did it recover? Lots of them, lots of big questions. Yes. The very next morning, my big, strong dad came to my bedroom door and he said, you've got to get up. We have to keep going. And I was lying in bed and crying, you know, think why, why, why get up? It was like, um, you know, there was nothing to get up for. But as we know, with every kind of major devastation or crisis, We always have to take that first step. And I realized many years later that it was like my dad handed me that torch of strength and courage to get out of bed and face whatever I had to face. So slowly, one by one, step by step, I I faced fear around every corner. And it was a long journey to healing, a very long journey. In fact, I will tell you, it took 45 years before I came to complete healing. Now, I will say that at the same time, um, I, I have lived a very fulfilled life. And um, it's not like I was sad or depressed all the time. Um, I... I, I actually was, was very happy, but then there were those times where I'd see that little blonde toddler someplace, and it was just like a knife went through me where, um, you know, I would just feel that pain all over again. And it took 15 years later that um, in my therapist's office that, Uh, she identified the guilt that I had buried so deep. I didn't even realize it was there anymore. And as she walked me through in slow motion that horrible, horrible day, I realized that I had never forgiven myself. And 
somehow from within I mustered that courage to forgive myself. And that day there was just a huge emotional load that was lifted. I can only imagine. When things like this happen in a family, it often destroys the family. Did it ruin your parents' relationship? You know what? They uh, uh, absolutely, for years, for years, there was just so much uh, distance within them. However, being brought up in a culture where divorce was not an option, so they didn't divorce. They did stay together but emotionally, I know they still carried a lot of pain uh, right to the end. Both of them have passed on, but there, there was still a lot of pain that they had carried. They never worked through emotionally, never worked through their pain emotionally. Very sad, very sad indeed. Yes. So what do you tell your clients that come to you or people that you speak to as a TEDx speaker and, and a motivational speaker? You found that that ability to forgive yourself after many years of therapy. And as you said, you still led us a, a real life. Obviously, uh, from reading your bio, you married and you have now grown children and grandchildren. So you got you kept your life together. Was that because you had this basic strength in you from maybe it was the rough farm, you know, basic farm life upbringing that, you know, a lot of people today they don't have that kind of courage built into their bodies as the as we did generations ago on farms. Everything is pretty selfish these days. So how do you forgive yourself? Well, and you're absolutely right. One of the uh, you know big things my dad taught me was was to persevere, you know, through anything. And that's clearly what this was. It was walking a life of perseverance and of courage and strength, and you just keep going. And do, in, go ahead. How do you, how do you take that and apply it to what's happening today, with COVID nineteen, with economic disaster, with protesters screaming for justice? How do you tell them how to persevere? Well, that's that's a very good question because we clearly are in a in a time that none of us have ever experienced before, and it's easy to get stuck in those um, just those negative mindsets. Uh, you know, just listening to the news alone on a regular basis is very depressing, and it can. Uh, you know, we carry, it's so easy to carry that negative mindset. But I'll tell you, we still have many things to be grateful for. We don't know where things are going to go. And as, they're all, as the world is changing so quickly, but even where we are, um, each morning we, we wake up. And the fact that we're breathing and uh, hopefully are still in good health, and can move on. We still have so much to be grateful for. So I really encourage my clients and people I speak with is there's nothing like the foundation of having an attitude of gratitude and move from that perspective rather than a depressive, negative um, attitude that will just take you down uh, a downward spiral. Well, it is good advice, but I think it's hard it's hard to achieve for 
many of us, including myself at times, uh, I thought I was handling this COVID thing pretty good, pretty well, I should say. Uh, not going anywhere, not doing anything, staying pretty isolated. But month after month goes by and you start to think, you know, I do have a lot to be grateful for. I am so lucky I am not sick. My family's not sick. We're not starving. We're not standing in line. But still, we're so used to having active lives of being able to do everything and having the freedom to go and do anything we want. It can be very mentally stressful. So besides telling somebody to have an attitude of gratitude, are there points that you give them? Are there you say there's there's some advice points in your article uh, I'm not article in your book. We're going to take a, a quick break, Linda. And when we come back, I want you to share some of those advice points in the book. And uh, hopefully it'll impart some wisdom on people that are feeling a little bit down and need to snap out of it. So if my listeners will just stay with me for a commercial break, I will be right back with more Linda Olson encouragement. Thank you. Bruce Cook, out. Angels Radio, AM 830. If the woman you love, your mother, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, let us help. New Directions for Women, a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility, has the answer. Since 1977, we have helped over 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sober, healthy living, restoring love, hope, and dignity to them and their families. Don't wait another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. As you get back to business, small things can make a big difference, like marking safe distances with floor tape and posting reminders to wash hands. As always, Granger is here to help, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, free access to product specialists, 24-7 support, safety recovery guides, and more. It's part of our commitment to help you adapt and recover in these challenging times. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And now more straight talk from Straight Talk. The big wireless companies say they're the only way to get the best coverage. Because they've got like a kajillion cell towers? Something like that. But Straight Talk Wireless runs on those same towers, so you get the same great networks for up to 50% less. I wonder if they're counting that one in Kickapoo, Kansas. Oh, boy. Switch today and get our unlimited plan for just 45 bucks a month with 25 gigs at high speeds and no contract. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this very well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and their families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women has helped addicted women 
recover in a nationally recognized treatment facility in Costa Mesa. Their doors are wide open. It just takes the first step. Call New Directions for Women. The number is 888-786-0509. Again, 888-786-0509. You can also visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Bruce Cook wants to hear from you. Now back to your host, Bruce Cook. And I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Bruce Cook on Angels Radio, AM830, Sunday Night Live. And we're visiting with Linda Olson, therapist, author, speaker. And she's an inspiration to us tonight on how to seek that attitude of gratitude. I asked Linda before the break to give us some examples of how to really make change, something that she might be sharing in this book that she has out now. Uh, and uh, it's called Transforming Your Story, Letting Go of the Past When It Won't Let Go of You. Linda, do you have an example to share? I do. You know what? Uh, we all face, and especially in uh, uh, the crisis time that we're living in today, when, when crisis hits, we face so many different emotions, you know, the, the fear, the guilt, the shame, the loneliness, the, you know, all those ugly negative emotions rise. And believe me, with the crisis I went through, I certainly faced all of them over a, a significant period of time. And eventually, when I look back, I realized there was, there was really a pattern that every time... Um, some of these negative emotions came up. The best thing I could do was actually identify and name the emotion. So well, the biggest emotion was fear, whether it was self-doubt, whether it was loneliness, whatever it was, but just to name it. And then once I had named it, then I knew I had a choice. I could either face it, or I could run from it, avoid it, do whatever I can to try and escape it. But we know how that goes. You can do you can do the escape thing temporarily, but eventually it catches up with you. And but just because I had made the cho made a choice didn't mean it happened. I still had to take action. Did you share this with your husband or with a loved one? Or a close friend, maybe you have a close female friend. Did you share any of this experience, or was this solitary? I did have uh, I did have a close um, female friend. She actually was a cousin of mine who was a year older than me and lived in the community. Um, and I did share with her, but for the most part, I, I'd grown up in a culture where emotions were repressed. And so even though the community reached out to me, they didn't know how to deal with grief. And back then, there were no support groups or counselors or anything like that. And so for the most part, I went through it as a pretty uh, emotionally, as a pretty solitary experience. But you came out of it okay. And maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being too, uh, what's the word, 
flippant about this, but there's a lot of people that suffer tragedies today that don't have the strength to get through it today, even with the help of support groups and grief counseling and whatnot. People are falling apart in society left and right when they are faced with a tragedy such as yours or something similar or of equal crisis mode. They're falling apart. We don't seem to be strong anymore. We don't seem to be vital and able to handle this kind of stuff. Am I wrong? No, you're not. You're, you're right on. Um, and, um, yes, to, to, to people like that, um, I, I encourage you to find someone, someone that you can talk to. It's so easy to let shame or grief or hurt or anger, whatever it is, to just kind of take over and hold it all inside, and it's the worst thing we can do. We have to find someone to talk to, a trusted friend, an authority member, a professional, whoever it is, but find someone to talk to. Well, I'm proud to say that one of the sponsors of uh, this radio broadcast is such an organization, and I'm going to use you as a way to plug it. Uh, You might have heard the commercial in the break. It's called New Directions for Women. It's an alcohol and drug treatment facility for women, single, married, families, not families, because alcoholism and drug abuse among females is often swept under the carpet more so than men. And this is a treatment center here in Southern California that draws from all over the country, in fact, other parts of the world, in helping people overcome the guilt, the fear, the drama and the trauma that we're talking about. So, yes, there are solutions today, but you got to reach out for it. And it sounds like you're somebody that's teaching people to reach out for it. Is that correct? Is that your motivation? Absolutely. Yes, it is. You and say, you, Linda, you say, I'm, I'll quote you, that you want to change a million people's lives every year through your stories. What does that mean? What are the wealth stories? We only have uh, a minute left, so see if you can wrap that up for me. Okay, nothing like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> right, you gotta, you got to face that. And, and you know what? Everybody has a story, and it's not just any story. It's a story that can transform lives. So I help people find, create, and tell their story. And it all comes down to believing that they have value and value that can make a difference in someone else's life. So rather than turning inward, we're now turning outward to know that we can all make a difference. And everything changes when someone realizes they have value. And when they have the courage to tell their story, no matter how difficult, no matter how horrible it might be, just as you have shared tonight on radio And I'm sorry I had to ask you that, but I really had to ask you about your story. And I'm sure my listeners that were in tune to that were feeling that pain, even though it was so long ago. We have to end our our time together, Linda. Plug the book. Where can we get it in 30 seconds? Transform your story, letting go of your past when it won't let go of you. Best place to get it is on Amazon. It's been a pleasure talking to you in the woods. I hope you have a wonderful vacation or whatever you're doing up there. Uh, Thank you for coming on Angels Radio tonight. Be safe, be well. Ladies and gentlemen, our show is over. 
I'm Bruce Cook on Angels Radio. And again, as I do every Sunday night, I wish you good health, good fortune. Be well all week and come back again next week to Angels Radio. Sunday night live and good night.